Good morning, Chair City Church. For our guests, I'm Dave. I'm so glad to see all of you. I missed you last week. I really did. I'm not just saying that. I hope you miss me too, huh? you know? Man, it was, it was peculiar for me because I had gone 43 straight weeks. Ever since Palm Sunday, I, we, you know, we preached two services straight through and uh, then they get up there on Sunday. So I got up at six in the morning and uh, I made breakfast, made waffles for the family. Then I went and I cleaned the kitchen and cleaned the dishes and cleaned the counters. And then I went and I shoveled the decks using my kids would shovel. I shoveled the deck. I know what they have to do with myself. So, so they liked it, you know. <laughs> hey, man, serve, 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 right, you know. So uh, expectations, we, we all have them, huh? You know, to one degree, we do. And an expectation is a strong belief that something's going to go a certain way, right? And it's going to turn out in a particular way. And to the degree those expectations aren't met, you know, we can have disappointment, discouragement, duress, even depression, right? Like what happened here? So I'm going to open up here. I got to taste a little bit of this Thursday night, this past Thursday night. You see, I treated my wife like a girlfriend, which is not a bad thing to do every now and then, right? Meaning I, at, at 3.45 p.m. Thursday afternoon, I text her and say, hey, we're going to Boston. Be ready in 20 minutes, right? And so, but really I had a cool surprise. As I was sitting there and meeting with somebody and they told me that they were gonna be going to this concert elevation group out in Boston. I thought, wow, you know, Christy likes that stuff. And, I'm, you know, I'm pretty good with it. And so I went online and boom, there just happened to be these two, it was like the only two tickets left sitting there in a pretty good, decent spot for face value. So I jumped on it, you know, I went with it. Now, it was at the Orpheum Theater in Boston. So now we go, I go home and we rush out. And as we're leaving the house, she looks at me, Christy, my wife, and she says, you know, you're not wearing a jacket. I said, no, no, I don't, I don't like to wear jackets, you know, and I, I don't like to wear jackets to events and things like this. I said, hey, I've got my thermos on, I'm good. I mean, I, I said, I lay in my clothing, and plus I got my thermos on, so I'm good. So she gave me a look and kind of just shrugged her shoulders, and we got in the car, and we went on. She had a, like this purple rain winter jacket on, which just looked very cumbersome and heavy to me. So the show was good. It was really, it was a, it was really a, a, a unique, wonderful time of worship. Christy enjoyed it, and, uh, and the place, the theater was packed, which kind of added to the, you know, the exuberance of the night. And, and, it, and because it was packed, it became, as you would think, what? Fairly warm in there, right? And so she looks at me, you know, as she would look at me and said, so, uh, so how you doing with your thermos? And I said, well, I feel like I'm sitting in a sauna right now at this point. And then she kind of gave a smirk with her, you know, pretty face and her tight lips, and she turned away. So now, you know, now during the uh, evening, especially in the intermission between the first group and the elevation group, we ran into some people from the church, which was awesome. I mean, they were scattered to and fro and about the theater, and we started to connect to each other and talk. And then what happened was afterwards, uh, a group of those people, we kind of connected outside the theater, and we started to go get something to eat. Now, the first thing we noticed when you got out of the theater that night was, one, it was dark. It was very dark. Two, the rain had stopped, which was cool, 
but three, the temperature had dropped significantly and it was now very windy, right? It was a rude awakening, you know? And last, it was very crowded. Again, the place was packed and it's really, if you come out of the orbit, it's like a narrow, like alleyway almost to get into the theater, right? It's like a really narrow block and so the streets, the sidewalks were very crowded or fairly crowded. And so now we're walking, this group, we're trying to stay together, we're walking along, and this big gust of wind comes in, it hits the group, right? And, and, and everybody, you can see them shake and they shiver, but not me, because why? I'm, I'm wearing my thermals, right? And I, I know my wife, she doesn't, she doesn't like the cold, and I can just immediately picture her like oh, being uncomfortable, you know? So here's my moment now, I'm gonna return the favor, if you will, right? So this is how I think, this is how I function in life, right? And so I turn around and I just, you know, I walk up, you know, it's dark, it's cold, and my, my wife is, I see she's got her head down and she's shivering and a little bit of walking. So I kind of, kind of just kind of come up against her, like, you know, body to body. I put my shoulder into her shoulder, you know. I get real close and I lean in. And then before I do anything, I turn around and I take my hand and I give her a nice, like, kind of whack on the side, you know, like just so she'd feel it good. And it lands, I'm gonna say our upper, upper, upper thigh. How's that to describe it, right? Somewhere between like your hip and your pocket area is where I'll place it, you know? And, and then I turn around, I lean into her like almost face to face and with the light I say, hey baby, I'm wearing my thermos, right? <laughs> and now I look at her and I'm waiting for her to respond and she turns to me. And immediately I realized there's something very, very wrong here. And the next thing you know, I'm saying out loud, oh, you're not my baby. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I'm, that, that was an accident because I don't even, I don't know this woman. I've never seen her in my life. And so, so I, I quickly begin to like back up like, oh, this, this is gonna get ugly. Like, whoa, this, this is all wrong. This is not what I expected, but this, the whole night, what, what, what's happening here? And I look for my baby, my baby's distancing herself from me. She's gone, man. Like, she's like, <laughs> literally like, I see that purple jacket. In my defense, the woman had a purple jacket on, by the way. So come on, two purple jackets and like three square, you know, three square feet of sidewalk, right? All right, so. And, 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 and I, I think I would have left it at that, you know, but th there was a woman in our group, you know, who was close to, uh, we were all close, but I'm confident, and it turns out I was right, that she overheard me speaking to this woman who she recognizes not somebody we knew about my thermals. And she's thinking, well, what a strange way for a pastor to be talking to some woman about it. Why is he telling her, you know, about his thermals? You know, that's a strange way to share the gospel with somebody, right? <laughs> and so it wasn't my intent to share the story with you, by the way. I would have preferred to have kept this under wraps, at least for a while. But, you know, the people in the group were texting me last night and yesterday, and they were having a whole lot of fun with this. And so I thought it would be best to get out in front of this and give you my version of what happened. Now, for the record, for the record, I want to read this accurately. The sharing of information relating to my undergarments by myself towards an unidentified woman was entirely unintentional. All right? So, so I, 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 
in that I was feeling really good about my decision to wear the thermos, and I was going to poke fun at my wife. I was going to one-up her, and things just, and I could just picture how it was going to be, and, and things didn't turn out the way I expected at all. I mean, they could have been worse. It could have got really ugly, but it certainly wasn't what I expected. You know, and, and one of the things in our lives, you know, and it's something that we're usually not too happy about, and, and that brings us to these places of kind of a sadness and a mourning, and a, is when things go play out in ways we don't expect, right? They're going an entirely different way, and, and, and often hit us when we least expect it, you know? And, and, and it can bring us to this place of, you know, of, of a mourning. Now, the reason I shared that story, other than to protect myself, is that we're doing a, doing a series called Beautiful. So, and we're doing this series called Beautiful, that life is beautiful because we want to position ourselves in a place to live a beautiful life for 2019, right? I believe that you can have a beautiful life in 2019. I want to have a beautiful life in 2019. And so what we're doing is we're bringing together two portions of the Bible. We're taking the Beatitudes, which are found in Matthew, the book of Matthew, and then we're taking the fruit of the spirits, which we find in the book of Galatians, and we're kind of bringing them together as part one and part two of a message, right? Now, what we've been saying with the Beatitudes is that they describe who we are in Jesus, not what we should be. They're not guilting us into doing something we need to do. They're saying, this is who you are. Jesus is saying, if you follow me, if you believe in me, this is who you are, not what you should be, but who you are in me. And then the fruit of the Spirit is one fruit with nine characteristics. And, and what it is, is it kind of shows us, it, it gives us a picture of what's present in our life, what flows from us when we are following Jesus. And we're in Jesus, and we're putting them two together, that one will come from another. And this is the beautiful life. This is your beautiful life in 2019. This is how you become a beautiful person. This is how you live out life large. This is how you become a beautiful husband, a beautiful wife, a beautiful father, a beautiful coworker, a beautiful son, a beautiful daughter, a beautiful friend, a beautiful sibling, right here. So this week we're going to take a look at the second beatitude and the second fruit of the Spirit. So Matthew chapter 5 verse 4 says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And Galatians 5.22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is joy. So right up front, it might seem odd to you that we're kind of bringing together this word mourning and this word joy. And, and, and it's a provoking, it's a thought-provoking message because it runs against what our culture says about kind of being happy. Now remember, as we said, I was going to say last week, but the week before, that in the Beatitudes, when it says blessed, that word blessed in the original Greek language means happy, kind of almost fortunate, right? And there is, in your life and in this world, there is, there is brokenness, is there or not? Some of you are in the midst of brokenness. Some of you have come out of a season of brokenness. Some of you might be more so still living out of brokenness than you might realize. And then there's a brokenness in the world around us. And sometimes it comes from a tragedy where it just happens to people, you know, and, 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 and there's great like, oh, sorry. And then there's brokenness that almost can provoke us to, you know, almost an infuriation or, or you know, confusion, right? That happened maybe perhaps this past 
week in New York City and some of the decisions they made politically there uh, regard to the ending of a child's life, right? But what the Bible says is this. The Bible says that joy comes from, not from a life that doesn't have brokenness. That's not where joy comes from. The Bible says that joy comes from a life that has God working through the brokenness. Our culture says joy comes from the absence of struggle. The Bible says joy comes from God working through our struggles. This is true joy. We all have different backgrounds. We have different histories. The one thing we agree on here that I call us to unite on here at Cherry City Church is that life is messy, right? And Jesus is very real and very present, and he's, he's that in the midst of our mess, yes? We are messy people. We get messy together. When you bring these two portions of Scripture together, these two verses, it kind of brings all that home. The idea of, of blessed are those who mourn, meaning happy are those who mourn, fortunate. Wow, fortunate are those who are mourning. Wow, I know some of you are like, okay, just yeah, I'm, I'm losing you, right? Like, I'm, you, you're disconnecting from me. But hang in there, and, and, and I'll do my very best to piece it together for you. But drop the filters, hang in there. Now, some of you might remember uh, late 60s, early 70s, the Vietnam War, right? And, and you might be aware of the, the significant protest that came against that war, the anti-war protest. And even if you weren't there, you've probably seen pictures, videos, movies, all about this. Well, one of the reasons why these protests were so heightened and so emotional is that the people, that people, perhaps for the first time, were seeing these vivid images of the results of war. And it was disturbing to them. They were very sensitive to it, right? It, it moved them. And many it moved them to protest the war. Now, what's happening often today in, in our culture and our societies, we're so indentated with information. We see so much stuff, it comes at us so quickly, and I've said this before, it's like, you know, you know, oh, you know, some toddler sang, you know, you know, Adele's top hit song at McDonald's and everybody applauded, you know, 56 people were died and killed in, you know, this place, and, and a dog jumped over three sheep somewhere in California, right? Yeah, 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 whatever, boom. And, and when, we, when we hear about this tragedy, it's like our heart barely skips a beat anymore, right? that we become sort of desensitized. Our hearts gradually for different reasons are becoming a bit hardened. We're not feeling, feeling much of this broken world in, in a way that God created, not just that God wants us to, but that way he created us to, the way we were intended to function. We're not processing this in a healthy way, not only cognitively, or emotionally, but even spiritually, we're not processing all this the way God intended. And it's mucking us, mucking us up, man. Mourning is a powerful emotion. God intended this to keep our hearts soft, to soften our hearts. Otherwise, we'll forget. If we're not in a place of being broken, of our hearts being soft, then we'll forget where we came from. We said that two weeks ago, that we'll forget, you know, when we look at a person whose life is broken, when we look at like a person who's messing up, when we look at a group of people who might be different from us and they're living out in, in a broken way, right? And they're kind of creating brokenness. We're gonna turn around and see them in a way 
different than what God intended. We really can't love them because our hearts are not broken. We're more in a posture of pride than a posture of brokenness. You hear what I'm saying? And 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 we smooth we and and we said we like we said there's a and there's a tension there in us I think. We don't give attention to the tension, right? On this one. So what we do is we 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 we've come up with like ways to smooth this gap over. Our posture of a pride, which is a reliance, a sense of ourself, right, versus being broken and humbled, as we talked about last week, being poor in spirit, spiritually bankrupt, to the point of it brings us to a godly humility, right? We can truly sense, well, yes, they're broken, so is I, you know, but look what God has done to me, and, it, and it's sincere. But we don't really get there. Instead, we kind of, we're leaning often in this pride place when we look at people who are doing things that we're like, well, I wouldn't do that. Oh, look what they're doing. And we see the brokenness, but we don't feel it in a place of our hearts, our soft hearts where we're mourning. Instead, we come from this pride place. So how do we deal with this gap, this tension? Well, I think we toss out cliches, you know? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you one of the, I think the most common one. You might have heard it before. And it's that, well, I love or we love the sinner, but we hate the sin, right? Yeah. None of you have never said that before. You've heard other people say it. That's why you know it so well, right? And, and, and many believe that, right? And, I, and I, I know you have said it a lot, I'm, and I'm proposing where I think it's coming from. Now, let's take that a step further. Let's go deeper. Let's really look at this through the lens of a living, loving God named Jesus. And, and, and when Jesus walked on earth, what, how would Jesus approach this? What would he say to that? And I would think he would say this. What if you love the sinner and hate your sin? What if you love the sinner and hate your sin? And that changes things a bit, doesn't it now, right? Because we're not saying, I love everyone, I just hate the way they act. I love you, I just can't stand that you sleep with guys. Oh, I love you, but I just can't stand that you're okay with aborting a child at eight months. Or I love you, but I just can't stand that you dress that when you do that with your hair. But what if we turn around and said, imagine that, we're saying we love everybody, we just hate what they do, right? But what if you say, I'm gonna love people from a mindset, a way that says, when I look at them and their brokenness, it brings me to a place I reflect on my brokenness and my mess and what I've come through, right? And maybe in a way, by staying in that humbled place, maybe there's some more brokenness that's in me and it hasn't been worked out and it's gonna continually allow me to work out that brokenness in a humble, God-glorifying way. Are you getting me? It's just the way God intended us to live and it's so against our meaning our human nature and so much against the culture, right? Loving people will help me work through my own mess. Psalm chapter 30, verses 4 through 5 says, Sing the praises of the Lord, you his faithful people. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning, as in when the sun comes up, okay? Listen, what, it's, what, what that says is God doesn't want you to stay in your mourning all the time. You mourn, but then God comforts you. 
right? Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God doesn't want you to stay stuck in that place of mourning. He wants to comfort the brokenhearted. How happy is the person whose heart is soft? Their hearts are broken at what they see at the mess in this world, some that they themselves have been steeped in, some that they're exposed to or introduced to from a distance, either way. But God goes and comforts those brokenhearted people. If you walk with God in the midst, in the mess of your pain, in the middle of the tragedy, you start to realize that he's a God of comfort. And he brings his comfort to you. You see, sometimes we think, you know what, God, could, could you bring that blessing to me? Could you bring that lesson to me apart from the difficulty, apart from the mess, apart from the, you know, the, and yet it's just not the way it works. The greatest and the biggest lessons that we get from our God that we see as we walk out our spiritual life, it comes from times often of a heartache, of a brokenheartedness, right? A time of mourning where things go in a way we didn't expect them to, right? It, you know, I, I, I went into this marriage. I didn't expect this was going to happen to my wife or my husband. I didn't expect, I, I didn't, ex I, didn't I, I, went and I, I went into this occupation. I didn't expect this, how it was going to work. But that is how it goes. Think about this. What is the greatest tragedy in all of human history? The crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And what is the greatest victory in all of human history? The resurrection of Jesus Christ, right? And God demonstrates, he illustrates this truth right to us. I mean, could you imagine, and the scripture gives us insight, with the disciples and Mary weeping at the foot of the cross, how they grieved deeply, how they mourned, step one. And then could you imagine the joy that was unspeakable at the resurrection, step two. Now some of us, some of you here today, you're stuck in step one. Oh, you want to hear this, man. You're stuck in step one. And you're here today because God wants you to get and move forward into step two. God does not want you stuck in mourning. Somewhere along the line, something took place. You were exposed to something. Something happened to you. Trauma, and, and you went into a place of mourning, and that was healthy. And reason, but you're stuck there. You're stuck in mourning. You're still living out that tragedy. You're still living out that difficulty. And God is wanting to comfort you, and you're not willing some of you might not even be conscious of this. But the Spirit of God is here today with you, right? Enlightening you, illuminating his truth to you, awakening you to his presence to say, hey, okay, look what's happening. Look what's going on. I'm here. Let's go to step two. Yes? You know, I, and I, I get that. I get the unwillingness. And, and, and it causes just a lot of pain and a lot unnecessary pain. A difficulty is happening in your lives because of this. And I get the unwillingness. You, you hold on to what you know and, and what you're used to. And you know, when my grandfather died, I, I adored my grandfather. I, I just cherished this man. He was like a beacon, maybe the beacon of light in my life. I often say I wasn't a serial killer <laughs> or, or some other, I mean, as bad as I was and as depraved as I was, what really somehow kept me in the realm and 
and, 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 and what enabled me to be somewhat have pockets of decency was the love of my grandfather to his grandson. Meant the world to me. When I met Christy shortly afterward, I would talk about my, you know, I would take him place with me. I lived with him. I adored him. I told Christy, you know what? Uh, I tell you, the day he passes, just let you know you're getting to know me, I don't think I'm going to want to live anymore. I don't even know how I'm going to live anymore when he passes on. That's how much I love this guy. And I did, and I cherished him. Well, he came eventually. He came and lived with us. I also told her, you know, before I exit to marry me, and I've said this before to you, hey, you know, just so you know, someday I'm going to take my grandfather in to live with me. You know, that's one of my, that's like my greatest ambition in his life is to care for this guy. And to this day, the greatest thing I've ever done more than anything else is to care for my grandfather uh, before he died. So when he passed on, you know, God was wanting to work through me and, and, and to bring me to places of restoration and transformation, but I was just stuck in mourning. I was stuck there for months and months and months. Six months, wouldn't walk into the room, wouldn't walk into his room where we, he, we gave him his own room, wouldn't walk into the room, wouldn't go in to see. I mean, I was just in a deep place of mourning. And I gotta tell you, it wasn't good. As I look back and every, you know, when I revisit this from time to time, I realize the, the unfortunate, you know, happenings or the, shortcomings that all arose from me getting stuck in that place of mourning. God is merciful, but difficulty came into our lives because I was stuck in that period of mourning. Are you hearing me? And God was saying, Dave, man, I, I'm, I'm with you. And God was so merciful in an incredible, it's another sermon, man, and in some incredible events, he revealed his presence to me at, at the time of my grandfather passing, and yet still I was stuck in mourning for my grandfather. And I think some of you might be stuck in mourning, maybe because you lost someone, maybe because something happened here. Maybe, again, maybe, you know, whatever it is, you're just stuck there. But I want to ask you this, as I look back and as I speak to you today, have you ever thought that from that tragedy, that beauty could come from it? Have you ever thought that? That from that tragedy, beauty can arise. And you know what that beauty is? A beautiful you that God intends for you to be beautiful and to live out a beautiful life. And that's what he's going to do when he brings restoration and transformation from that beauty from ashes, yes? So for some of us, we know God's trying to comfort us, right? And, and, and he brings people around to, to do that for us in a wonderful way. They want to help you. And you, you, you have this deep sense that this is true. Now God's comfort doesn't change the tragedy. He do, it doesn't. It doesn't change what happened. It changes who you are. It changes who you are through what happened. I remember when my, I'm just going to go down this road. I remember my grandfather passed away and, and you know, I had a, you know, I was in ministry there in a church and so, and, and people knew how much my grandfather was living with me. They knew how, how much he meant to me. So, you know, a lot of people kind of would contact me, gathering around me, and, and I would say several people, I probably just kind of started blocking out, several people would, 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 they said this in certain ways, and sometimes they said it exactly this way, time heals all wounds. Nobody say amen, because you're not going to like what I say next, okay? <laughs> I helped you out there on that one. Sometimes I let you hang yourself. Time heals all wounds. Don't ever, just don't say that to somebody. Yeah. You know why? Because it's false. Time does not heal all wounds. Time doesn't heal one wound. Yeah. You see, 
What time does is, it just makes your wound feel normal and seem normal to you. That's all it does. The wound is there, the pain is there, and you carry it, and you begin to live out that way with it and adopt your way of thinking and living out, and it becomes normal to you now. So time just facilitates that wound, that hurt, that tragedy, how it affected you, it just facilitates it and brings it to a place of now it becomes your normalcy. Are you hearing me? Time does not heal wounds. Jesus heals the wounds, okay? Jesus heals the pain. Jesus comforts those who mourn, yes? That's the process here, that when we are brokenhearted and we're mourning and we turn to God, he comforts us, and then he heals the wounds, right? He brings restoration and transformation from that tragedy in our lives. He doesn't undo what's been done. He takes what's happened and he works through it, his mighty power, his divine power. And now that wound, that scar, is a testimony of God working through our life. That's what it becomes. And so many of you have that in your life, as I do, right? That God now heals you and comforts you and now uses you to comfort others, yes? And what do we call that here? We say, to God be the glory. God is glorified as he works through you in that mess and that pain and to, to show others what a magnificent God he is. That people can do nothing else but say, what's happening in your life just is not normal. It's got to be something outside of this world. Even people who don't believe in God would describe it that way. That he would enable you to come out of that place of mourning, that place of pain that you know is normalcy, to take you out of that pit, to put you, set your feet on a rock, to put a new song in your heart. Now you would go and speak life into other people and bring comfort to others, rather than maybe to be stuck in this place of just sorrow. Listen to what Paul says, St. Paul, the Apostle Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. He says, praise be to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us all in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. It's a beautiful thing when someone overcomes an addiction, isn't it? When alcohol, opioids, heroin, whatever it might be, pornography, and, 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 and then they overcome that and they begin to walk in, in that in, in that comfort and that joy from God and then they come alongside someone else and help them overcome their struggle. Isn't that great, man? It's just, it's a great story, isn't it? It's beautiful when one of our Stephen's ministers, who many of them have gone through their own struggles and pains in life, but, but even as part of their 50-hour training and ongoing education are deeply introduced to people who are going through, you know, problems and struggles and, and be educated on, on trying to understand that and grasp that. And they, they are trained to come alongside people. So for those who are our guests, we have Stephen's ministers, you know, about 14, 15 of them, whatever it is, they come alongside another person who's in a place of grief. I wonder if we should call it grief sharing rather than Stephen ministers. Maybe we'll change that name too. I like changing names. I just like change. But they come alongside another person one hour a week just to sit there and share their pain, really just to help bring comfort, to be there with them. 
And that's a beautiful thing, right? One human being stepping outside of themselves to come alongside another human being and just to be there, you know, not to counter them, not to give them any great insight, not to twist out platitudes or cliches, just to be a, a, a presence, an instrument in God's hand in their life, right? If you are in a place of sorrow and you'd like somebody to come alongside of you, there's, an, there's kind of a promo which is in the back of the chairs. So you're looking right at, so at, the, at the back of the chair you're looking at, It'll give you some information about Stephen's ministers. Contact, look at the contact information, and, uh, and reach out and, and get somebody to come alongside you. Don't try and do this by yourself. And if you think you have a desire, which you do, because we all do, God put it in us when he breathed his spirit into us and made us in his image to be a Stephen's minister, to go through that training, to be equipped, to be supported, because it is an incredibly supported ministry here. You're not out there on your own. Uh, well, then sign up to be a Stephen's minister. And uh, you're not going to jump in right away. I think the next time is in a few months. But, hey, it's a great thing to get it going. So through tragedy, right, God intervenes and he brings comfort. And the outcome is not what we expect, is it? See, that's the, see when God intervenes and he brings comfort, the outcome is so much better than anything we could have imagined. Ephesians 3.20, God will do more than we expected, more than we can measure, more than we can imagine, to Jesus Christ be the glory throughout all generations. Yes? Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Our mourning leads us to Jesus, and Jesus brings comfort. That's what the soft heart does. That's what our mourning does. It leads us closer to Jesus. And the fruit of the comfort is joy. Do you hear that? Remember, we're taking the Beatitudes and we're linking them together with the fruit of the spirits. Matthew chapter 5, verse 4 says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Galatians 5, 22, the fruit of the spirit is joy. And, at, and when we mourn, God comforts us, and the fruit of that comfort is joy. Deep, deep, unspeakable joy. Our culture is focused on happiness. It really kind of wants to be happy. And you know what? That's Okay, I, I really don't think that, that's so terrible, right? I mean, I think it's, you got one shot to live a life. I'd like to think you want it to be happy, right, you know? I mean, McDonald's picked up on this. You don't, you don't walk in McDonald's and say, can I have a sad meal, you know? <laughs> you know, we, we want to be happy, right? The problem with our culture is the source of happiness, or meaning the, the, where happiness is birthed from. It's very circumstantial. It's very fleeting, right? And, and, and we are living now more than ever in a world where our happiness is derived often from what we weigh things against and from comparison. We see this more than ever, right? What others think, what others are doing, this is really where what sustains our happiness, where our happiness is birthed from, born from. So something really good happens in our life, we accomplish something, right? And, 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 you know, and you just can't settle in and just take that. You, you, you got to pronounce it. You got to get out there because then it really now is happy. And, and you do that and you're like, I'm happy. And then, man, within seconds or minutes or a day, somebody comes out and they top you, baby. Come on now, right? You know, look, check out, oh, me and so-and-so just, I got this car and they get a better car. Or, oh, look at my baby. We just had a baby and there's the pictures and somebody has twins. Boo-hoo, slams you down, man. Got twins. Yeah, they're living, a, they're living in hell right now. I know I've been there, man, right? But there they are. It's like, like Spike twins. Yeah, I've been there. It's crazy. Look, you get married, but that is, it's, just, it's just 
wow, our idea, our source of happiness is no longer being born from the right place, from the right source. And yet, and then we become so adverse to this thought of, of mourning, to even trying to deal with mourning, to even trying to in any way reconcile mourning. And it, we, just, we just become so adverse to processing it in a normal way. I know I, over you, I think I get to you a little too much, but just so you know that the, a lot of the, you heard trauma a lot, you're going to hear it more and more. In the coming years, you're going to hear a lot about trauma. A lot, of, a lot of people's ailments, issues, situations is all going to be going towards kind of a trauma diagnosis, right? And, and often what they say about trauma is that the problem is the person never processed the trauma. And so they're kind of still living out of that, right? They never processed it. And yet, and when you are adverse to mourning or, you, or it's not something you're you're doing, you're not processing tragedy, difficulty, pain, or trauma in a good way. And yet God, in his wisdom, right, in his infinite wisdom, says, hey, hey, here is how you process this, man. And I, this is a bit of a jump, but that when you mourn in a way that I created you to do, and your heart is soft, and I come along and comfort you, and then you have true joy, which is beyond happiness, now this is healthy, yes? And you are set and ready to live a beautiful life. Basically, because now you, you, you realize God's got me in the palm of his hands, right? He's got me, man. He's carrying me. God's got this, and I am filled with joy, and I am strong. I am strong from the inside out to the core of who I am. I am strong. I am not rattled, tossed to and fro by circumstances. I don't see a post and become all undone. <laughs> when I try and interpret people losing and I'm a turkey, I do it all the time. <laughs> my, kid, my kids tell me, you got to find another way to do this, you know. You look silly and you sound silly, but it, it's impulsive. What can I tell you? You're strong. And, and then those, those real, real difficulty comes and real tragedy comes. You're, you're not, yeah, you're a bit shaken here, yeah, you're pressed down, but you're not undone, Right? You don't have this epistemological shift where all that you believed in and loved, now you shift away from that. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10 says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. God is true joy. He wants to give you true joy, everlasting joy. God says life is going to be messed up. Have a soft heart. You're going to mourn. I made you that way and I will comfort you in your mourning. My comfort will bring you closer to me. M you will sense my presence in your life more and more. And that will bring you comfort, which will bring you joy. And that joy is going to strengthen you like nothing else in this world. And from that strength, you are going to be transformed in your life. You will not be a person who's just overwhelmed by circumstances and situations but you'll hold steadfast and you'll keep going in that right direction. And now, because, because you can tap in to a whole new reality that really transcends our circumstances and our situations, we have this wonderful opportunity to live a unique life, meaning compared to just making the best of things, the best is yet to come. 
compared to just dealing with our lot in life and staying in this place of mourning only and even then in a kind of a kind of disturbed way, if you will, we can have joy. Let's close this out quickly. Here's a definition of joy. If you were in a children's Sunday school, which I wasn't, you're familiar with this. Joy, J-O-Y, Jesus, others, yourself, right? The problem with our culture when it comes to happiness, it flips it the other way. It's you, always thinking about you, right? Huh? Then others, then Jesus. And the issue with that is you get so caught up in yourself that you don't really have much for others, let alone Jesus. And Jesus becomes a bumper sticker or a magnet on your fridge, right? If you, it, it says you, you want to put others first. Because your, your self will never be satisfied. It's insatiable. And you were born and you exist to care for others. Love God and love others. This is the great commandment. And you know, you see it. The more we go away from that, the more you see evidence that it doesn't work. We live in, in an incredible country. The resources are phenomenal. The opportunities are be just beyond when people come here. My son who's on a track team in high school. There was an exchange student from Germany. We're going along here, but we're had, there's an exchange student from Germany, came in, was on a track team. Left last week, before he left, he said, you know what, he's from Germany. This is like the premier country in all of Europe. And he said to them, you know, I just, I wanna let you know what a wonderful experience this has been for me. He goes, really, it's like been the greatest experience of my life. He said, I just also wanna let you know how w great you have it. He goes, nothing like this. What I experienced exists in Germany. There's not even the opportunity for anyone to even have something like what you have with the, you know, uh, here in Germany, with what you have here at your school and what you're doing with the track and, and all that I've been able to participate in, right? So, but now with all this resource and all these opportunities, research after research after research, current research is telling us that we are now currently one of the most unhappiness unhappy, unhappy, if not the most unhappiest country in the world. Huh? If you want, what? Love God, love others. This is what you were made to do. If you want to know joy, put Jesus first. It blesses me when I see you caring for each other. Christy, I'll tell you, I am so glad when I hear so-and-so took so-and-so out to lunch or dinner. So-and-so stopped by so-and-so's house and, and gave them this. By the way, Iris Nancy brought me soup to give to you when you were sick. I forgot and I ate it myself. I'm sorry. It's out there. Okay. That just came to me. She gave me two. One for me and one for you. And I forgot I ate mine and I ate yours. So I've been meaning to call Nancy and tell her and I keep forgetting. So there you go. All right. Anyway, but I do. It was good. Uh, it's from Panera, too. <laughs> uh, so I do. It really just brings such encouragement to me when I see you come alongside and helping one another in all different ways. Culture says take care of you. Jesus says take care of one another. And when you take that step of faith, wow, 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 you feel happy. You need to know that. You're going to feel happy, meaning blessed, meaning fortunate. This is what Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. Wow. Often in life, mourning comes with because life didn't turn out the way ex we expected. 
Things came on us, and it's not what we expected, what we thought would happen. In our, you know, this past Thursday on a cold, windy night in Boston, I was wearing my thermals. I was ready to one-up my wife. It was going to be a culmination of an earth. I had pictured the night in my mind. It was going to be a great night, and, it was gonna, it, and I was going to one-up her, make fun of her, and it didn't turn out the way I thought it would, right? No, 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 oh man. Now, and I gotta tell you, I wasn't laughing. I mean, this was, this was grossly inappropriate for, <laughs> you know, as a fact, I'm like, okay, whoa. <laughs> I'm like, my mind is like, okay, what's happening here? I, I, I just, whoa, <laughs> You know, I mean, it just came at me so fast. I'm like, okay, wow, you know? I mean, actually, if the, la- the lady was pretty cool, she just was a little confused, looked at me and just shook her head and kind of kept going. But she could have socked me. I could have been in pain. She could have, like, said, officer, officer. I mean, it could have went a lot of different ways, right? Look, I, and, and I'm going to tell you, I, I, was, I was humiliated. I, I, I'm like, wow, this is inappropriate. I, I was embarrassed, and, you know, I was alone because, as I said, my wife left me, and she went the other way, you know. But you know what? And it happened of all places, you know, it happened before this group in my church, right? Uh, Now, I could have just stayed stuck in my humiliation and stuck in my confusion, but nope, no way. I put my head up, and I went and I found my favorite Tex-Mex restaurant in Quincy Market, and I sat down, I had some nachos, and I was a good guy, right? I was good. Listen, don't say stuck. Don't say stuck in step one. Don't say stuck in your morning. Don't stay there today. By the power of God and by Jesus' life and his blood shed on the cross for you and his resurrection given evidence to you that there is new life. Today you move to step two. Yes? Jesus wept when he looked out over Jerusalem. He saw the the brokenness of the city of the people. We live in a broken world. Let's not shield our hearts. Let's allow our hearts to be broken to be soft to those that are different from us, to those that are doing things that just, whoa, you know? Let us remember where we came from and what God has done in us. God wants to use us in our community, and this is how he's going to use us, not because we're the biggest church, not because we do, you know, look so, because of our building. This is how God is going to use us in our community. We are the church where the people are broken and soft-hearted. They have been there, and they are ready to take us to a better place. Yes? This is how God will use his church. And if you've been here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus, but you came in here today, I just want to let you know that no matter what you're going through, no matter what you've been through, Jesus is here today to comfort you even as I speak this word. He's not going to change what happened. He's, you know, but he's going to comfort you in the midst of what's happening. And that comfort isn't a, but it's a process. And even now, you can begin to feel that comfort as you place your trust and your belief in him, Jesus, the one true God. And that all might seem impossible that you could live apart from the way you are right now. And with you, it is impossible. With me, it's impossible. But with God, nothing is impossible. So if that's you, and you want to turn today to know Jesus, do you want to see him pull you out of that pit of despair and place your feet on a firm rock and put a new song on your heart and to take your mourning and bring it to joy? You want to take that card, that connection card that Christy talked about. On one side, it says, my next step. And there's a box there. A line that says, I've decided to have a new relationship with Jesus. 
Check that box. I've decided to renew my relationship with Jesus. No more living in step one. No more. Today I go to step two. Today I put all my heart, my soul, my mind into Jesus. No more this, you know, refrigerator magnet Christianity. Today it's I'm all in for Jesus. You check that box. You bring that card to the guest set table. They'll give you a gift and a package. We got some stuff for you. We thank God for what he's doing in your life. Commit yourself to joy, 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 unspeakable joy. Listen, next Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, we are going to have a blast here. Be part of what we're doing. We are a church of not of membership, but of participation. Participate next Sunday. Come wear a scarf, wear a hat, wear a shirt, wear a jersey, wear a hat, wear everything. Just come, just representing your team. I will. I'll make sure all these people last year they didn't, you know. And so they, I want you to know they just about blackmailed me. These are, the, these are the, some of the people who are blackmailing me about this story. They were just trying to get back at me, all right? But just, and then, and, and invite your friends. It's an incredible, what an opportunity. Talk about, our, I always say, we like to bring, we like to be a welcome presence in our community to invite a friend to come and to hear NFL players, Patriot players, Ram players, uh, known, you know, good Pro Bowl players in, this, in, the, in the NFL talk about life and about their faith. What an opportunity in a really fun and festive atmosphere. And then that night, that same night, we will watch the Super Bowl here on the screen. We're going to take out all the chairs. Here's something new. We're going to put up round tables. We're going to have a ton of food, a ton of fun. Watch the game. I might root for the Patriots. I'm weighing it out right now. I know, you know, last time I wore my Steve Grogan jersey that somebody sent to me, you guys won. So I'm thinking about lending you the favor. I just might do that. But again, you can invite your friends and family to come and join us. What an opportunity because, you know, one of those people you invite, they're mourning right now, and they're stuck in step one. You're going to bring them, and they're going to start to go to step two. To God be the glory. Have a great day.